And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 213 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. Hey, Brian. How are you this week? I'm all right. I had, uh, I had some fun yesterday. Went to, uh, went to a friend. They opened their pool up and, uh, yeah, had a good time. Cool. I continue to remain within these four walls that are my house, <laughs> except for my weekly grocery excursions. Uh, I was successful in finding a full-sized bag of all-purpose flour this week. I consider that a great victory. Congratulations, sir. As a result, I have ordered some NH pectin, and I'm going to do a lemon pound cake as soon as that arrives for my glaze. Well, there you go. All right. Yes. Um, also made some uh, gochujang chicken this week that was very, very good. I am pleased with how that turned out. And even more pleased that I've got, like, a mason jar full of that marinade in my refrigerator still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I made some simple syrup for some cocktails yesterday, and it was delicious. Yeah. Oh, I did. So, on the Minds at York Discord server, we do a weekly game night on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Which you should jump in for sometime, Brian, if you're available. I could probably do that. Um, but this week, a bunch of us decided, you know what, we are going to drink. And drink number three for me was a uh, gin old-fashioned made with Moons of Juniper, which is a grape brandy-based gin instead of a neutral spirit that Uh is heavy in juniper uh, with a mint watermelon shrub in place of my syrup and uh, uh, eucalyptus bitters with a splash of tonic instead of club soda. And let me tell you, this was a smart choice on my part. Very tasty. It sounds very tasty. It was like licking Ikea furniture if it were made of real wood in the best possible way. (laughs) That is the most interestingly descriptive thing I have heard that it somehow accurately probably describes it. Yeah, Juniper (laughs) with also just like that that Swedish meatball smell from Ikea just sort of laced in there. Um, I was... And it was one of those, okay, I'm gonna grab three things off my shelf and just mix and not measure anything, and boom, 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 here we go, great. Yeah. Every once in a while I'll do that. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just pull out a bunch of stuff and, like, a shot glass and just, like, fill up half a shot glass with... Very small amounts of different things to just yeah. try how they work together. Well, like, I use the same basic old-fashioned ratio for everything, and right. my drinking cups just here at home are are slightly fluted, for lack of a better word. They're, they're, they curve in toward the base and flare out a little, again, a little bit again at the base. So I can yeah. kind of use that curve to measure out 
ratios as I go. Yeah. So I just yeah, hit the exact same ratio I would for an old fashioned. There you go. Yeah, I was doing it the other day and came across. Uh, I mi- ended up mixing some lychee liqueur with Ooh. with uh, a orange vanilla coke, and I swear to God, it tastes just like a creamsicle. Oh. I was like, oh man, this is dangerous. This is dessert right here. I am here for this. The next <laughs> time we do this in the same physical space in the world, so like, I don't know, next June. Yeah, great. Remember that. Okay, I will definitely do that. Uh, anything else before we get into it? No, I was going to say, uh, the other thing I did was read comics this week. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I before we jump into this week's run, mm-hmm. I want to highlight a couple of single issues that came out this week. Sure. Um... New comics have started coming out. Probably not enough. We've talked about this off air, but I don't think we've talked about it on. I don't think we have. Probably not enough to fill an episode. And also, each of us is balancing, reintroducing the regular reading of comics into our daily routines in quarantine or with work and with reading longer runs for the show. So... We'll hit a point where we get back to normal, I'm sure. But for now, uh, we've decided we may just each point at an issue or two each week and say, hey, this thing was spectacular for this reason. Uh, And this is me doing that. So I've got two issues to talk about this week. The first is Suicide Squad number five. Brian, is there any chance you've had an opportunity to read this? There is no chance that I have. I have not read anything new that has come out. Gotcha. Yeah. This is, for all intents and purposes, the end of the first arc of this book. Um, if you do not recall where number four ended, it was the confrontation with Captain Boomerang. Yeah. And this issue gives some time to Jog, the speedster, uh, who is on the Suicide Squad roster. Mm-hmm. And everything he has in this book is just amazing. It's a great issue. I love this character. The end of that. But also, because I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it too much. Because uh, yeah. I know that I'm sure we are not the only ones who are sort of slowly reintroducing things. Uh, I'm sure not. But also, one of us, Brian, mm-hmm. was right about who is pulling the strings. <sighs> One of us was, huh? One of us was. Oh, boy. It was a great reveal, and I am super excited for the direction this book is taking, because it is... This is one of those arcs that, that as an introduction, leaves us in what I think is going to be more of the status quo for the book mm-hmm. than where the book actually starts. Mm-hmm. Um... Let's just say the Suicide Squad is maybe no longer, uh, no longer has much reason to listen to anybody. Oh, yeah, huh? That uh, I uh, things are running through my head, but I don't want to. I don't want to make speculation. Yeah, so I'll read. I'll read that real soon. No, it's it's a fantastic issue. I mean, we we've said so much about Tom Taylor here in the past, but this is. This is a good Tom Taylor book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've enjoyed everything up to this. 
The other book I wanted to to mention this week is the new issue of Avengers, which I think is number 33. This is the beginning of, I think it's called The Khonshu War. It is a Moon Knight-themed arc of Avengers. Ugh. And this issue sees Mark Spector systematically taking down specific members of the Avengers... Um, it opens with him praying at the gates of Kunlun, and Danny Rand walks out, and Spectre says, I'm here for the Iron Fist, and Danny says, oh, yeah, that's me, we haven't really met before. I'm surprised by that, in fact, but somehow, we haven't. Uh, what can I do for you? He says, no, no, you misunderstand, I'm here for the Fist. And proceeds to fight off and take the powers from Danny Rand. Oh, so this is like the second arc recently of a, of a story where the Avengers have been taken down. Yeah, because <laughs> Captain Marvel went through them pretty handily. <laughs> yes. Um. Well, you know what? So too does Moon Knight. Moon Knight goes through a very specific list of the Avengers. I'm sure. I'm certain. Um. Yeah. And I actually, it took me a minute to piece together what this list had in common. Uh. But in this issue, we see him. We see him face Iron Fist, okay. Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, the Black Panther, who he basically has to walk away from, Thor, and then he also mentions the Starbrand and the Phoenix. Okay. Oh, and he steals the Hell Charger from Ghost Rider. Do you see the pattern? I do not. The Avengers of 1 million BC. Ah, yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is a great issue. Like, I love Moon Knight. We know how much I love Moon Knight. Yeah. This is... It makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. It's so good. Um, the Moon Knight-Thor fight is just... Chef's kiss. Um, that is it. That is all. We will talk about the main event now. The main event of this episode. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you brought in uh, some some new issues though. I am I am gonna have to spend probably I'm guessing an entire day, and I may do that today, figuring out what was the last thing that I actually got, what has come out and hasn't come out since then, some digital, some physical, yeah. and I just got to notice that some things that I had ordered got canceled because they're going to be relisted, and I mean it is a huge huge mess i can't wait for two months from now when everything is back to a very normal (laughs) yeah well when you sit down and get to working on that i've got i've got the list that i've been looking at each week Uh and can help untangle things if any of it is kind of a pain because there are some marvel books that have gone digital only for single issues and things like that so yeah, don't get me started. I could probably spend a whole episode complaining about that. But. <laughs> this is not that show. This is not at all the DNA no, of this no, show. So uh, we'll move right on. We'll talk about something good, something excellent, something reaffirming marvelous. of worldviews, perhaps. Something marvelous, one might say. Yes. Something in its current run one might describe as magnificent. But we are going back to 2014. Those halcyon days, 700 years ago of 2014. (laughs) 
Admittedly, 600 years of that have passed in the last three months, but... Well, that's just true. <laughs> this is definitely true. We are talking about G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona's Miss Marvel. Written by G. Willow Wilson. Artists are Adrian Alfona and Jacob Wyatt. Colorist is Ian Herring. Letterer is Joe Caramagna. Covers are Sarah Pacelli and Justin Ponzer. Jamie McKelvey and Matthew Wilson. And Chris Anka. The assistant editor is Devin Lewis. The editor is Sana Amanat. And the senior editors are Stephen Wacker and Nick Lowe. And I love this book. I love this book so much. I love Kamala yeah, Khan. This is really, really good. Is this your first time reading this, Brian? Yes. This is, I think, my third time reading the first arc, and my second time reading the second. And it... It is one of those things that revisiting every couple of years still is, like, a delight to read and absolutely joyful to read. This is the most reminiscent, but obviously in a very, in a, written in a modern way, in a modern setting, but capturing kind of the spirit of those early Peter Parker Spider-Man Absolutely. Books. Of anything I've ever read, probably. Yeah, to the point where... Yeah. I think it's in the third or fourth arc. Um, there's an idea that gets introduced in this that if Kamala is going to be a hero and be a hero well, Kamala needs mentors. Yeah. And I think there is an arc at some point. I know, it's, I know it exists somewhere. I forget if it was in Spider-Man or Avenging Spider-Man. But I think it was here in this series itself. Where actually Peter and Kamala meet for the first time, Spider-Man and Miss Marvel meet for the first right. time, and have a conversation about his having been through this. Yeah, uh, very, very much. Um, it, it, mostly in the, although there are other heroes, and she runs into a couple of them fairly quit, fairly early in this. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, even though she does that, she is really doing a lot of this alone. She does a lot of this alone, and when I think of early Spider-Man, especially as someone mm -hmm. who, I've read some of it, but a lot of how I've consumed like Spider-Man origin type stuff is either through animated series, or through movies, or just through cultural osmosis. When I think of early Spider-Man, I think of family and friendship stories, like the Uncle yep. Ben story, the relationship with Aunt May his dating life like i think of those very human moments well a lot of high school friends stuff. right yeah. yeah above and beyond who he's punching when and how yes and yeah. this book is so much more about those things as well yep than it is about specifically just fighting a villain very very much so um and it it's it's a lot about both of them have a whole lot to do on the hero side with kind of figuring out what their powers are and how to deal with them and what they should do with them. Like all and all of that is mixed together. Yeah. Yeah. Reading reading this again, the scenes where Kamala is first like Realizing that she has any control over her powers, realizing that she could be a hero, all of those things, and sort of stumbling through it, reminded me so much of the scene in Into the Spider-Verse, where Miles 
sees the Spider-Man comic and starts unintentionally referencing the Spider-Man comic and going through the same steps and tripping and fumbling. Like, again, it's still got that same, like you, like you said a moment ago, it's got that, that Spider-Man DNA to it, but it also makes me think of that as well, of the, the yeah. more recent. Yep. Um, so one of the things, I, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of go through these books here in a minute, but one of the things I want to do specifically point to before we get started is it didn't occur to me going into this i knew miss marvel was inhuman uh-huh right? but it didn't occur to me going into this that it was her origin her genesis was part of the terrigen bomb oh one. right yeah yeah so like even when the even when the mist happened i was like oh this is weird i wonder what this is and it was about halfway through it before and i was like oh wait I know what this is. <laughs> like that timing just never clicked with me. And yeah. Yeah. That was, no, it was kind of cool. I knew it because I mean, I think I read the first issue at the time. Um, and I was reading when the Terrigen bomb went off. So like, it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise to me in that way, but rereading it again today or yesterday, I kind of had forgotten that she was created that recently. I mean, intellectually, I know it, right? Right. But Miss Marvel is one of those characters who has become sort of so central to my favorite things about the Marvel universe mm -hmm. that in my head, like the timing of yeah, no, her creation was that recent in continuity. It it almost feels incongruous with with the space she occupies for me. That makes sense. Yeah, her her importance and centrality is bigger than yeah what would seem to be just that little bit of history. Yeah, six years—that's all we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um. So do we want to start through this and, and to then talk about what we like uh, as we get to them? I think one more thing, just to sort of set sure. the stage, and we've I've, I've touched on it a little, but I think talking about her family and her family life just first okay. uh, may be important. One, because they're great. Like, I love her family and her relationship with her family. And rereading this after reading the most recent Miss Marvel comics, uh, uh, Saladin Ahmed's run on the book, mm -hmm. like getting to see again where she started with them versus where she is now, like I really love just sort of the whole arc of that journey. But they're just great. They're like very real parents. Yes, both in terms of of their relationship to Kamala, but also kind of their relationship to each other. One is the warrior. One is kind of presented as the really stern one up front, but you realize, oh, hey, he's the one who will back off a little bit and also keep the peace. Right. Uh, her brother is, I think a little bit, comes across a little bit at first as caricature, but the more you <laughs> get of him the more fully fleshed out he feels and rereading this this time, like you already I can already see like little bits of where he'll go in where he's at. Like there's there's a very intentional setup even of even of the brother who is is presented as this very conservatively religious uh 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 young man. Yes. And then the other piece of family life is her trying to find 
who she is as a kid growing up in Jersey City as part of a Pakistani-American family versus the religious and cultural roots that her parents have brought with them from Pakistan. They have immigrated to the U.S. in their lives. And there's there's that kind of tension, both both in terms of sort of the general, like, who am I as a hero? But it gets folded into that, what is my place in my family's heritage? That I think is done in a really, a really satisfying way. Yeah. And there's the, you know, there's the obvious, because of this, there's the obvious questions that she has of herself. Again, as a lot of this is her figuring out who she is and what she wants to be and everything else. And part of that also is her, you know, questioning you know how much does my culture and and religion play into who i am and you know how much do i want it to and how much obligation do i have and all of that yeah, yeah. yep so like that colors so much of the story that i just i wanted to acknowledge it before we get into plot uh, it, it, yeah yeah but that now was, let's let's get thing. into it what is going on in this book brian so this actually starts with her in a deli. Well, I guess the Circle Q, right? Yeah, it's like a like a Seven Eleven or store. a Quick yeah. Trip. Yeah. Well, Circle K is in the Midwest. That's oh right, was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that was like, oh, there we go. But she and I specifically bring this up. She's like smelling the 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 like the pre made sandwiches, the infidel meats. It. How delicious the infidel meats smell, but specifically the bacon, right? Yeah. Um, but it immediately made me think and of, oh, the first issue of uh, Wasp, when she and Wasp are in the bakery. Yeah. Yeah. It made for, I don't know why, but it immediately brought that to mind. I'm, I'm sure the scene in Wasp was at some level, like, homage to this, right? Yeah. 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 But yeah, so we immediately get introduced to two of her friends, her best friends. Uh, friend who is Pakistani also, um, and then her uh, uh, a male friend who is very American. Yeah, uh, and uh, and he actually works at the Circle Q. Um, and then we get a couple of the, uh, the the popular kids from school, who I do like how they're betrayed because, you know, in the Spider Man type mm-hmm. time frame, right. This would have been Flash Thompson, yeah, right? and he would have been a complete meathead jock, right? Yeah, which this guy is, but in a different, more believable way. Yeah, I mean, this guy is is in a very he is presented as coming from a very privileged, yeah, kind of of bent, um, and then wearing that privilege to sort of needle and harass. While Zoe, who is is I think the one who gets a little more attention and is is probably the yep more interesting of the two. Uh huh. Oh, definitely. Zoe, I think, exists in this place of still having some mean girl vibes. Uh, uh, Kamala's friend Nakia even says, "No, don't engage. She's not being nice. She's using naivete as a tool to bully." And I think that's a valid read. I also don't know that that's 100% intentional. I think this is a character who has come out of 
a place where she has learned this behavior and has internalized this behavior. But I think more than her boyfriend, whose name I'm not going to remember, yeah. um, like there is, I think, potential for her to learn and grow and see, oh, hey, I've been awful. How can I be a better person? Well, and I think the difference is, like, and I'm glad you brought up Mean Girls, like, th- who are very definitely mean and yeah. intentionally mean. Hers is much more from a place of, uh, of ignorant, like lack of attention that she's even doing this. Yeah, it's it's very right. much that that I don't see color mentality. Right. That oh, I'm just not going to pay attention to the salient details of the world around me that are uncomfortable. Right. Um. And I mention this in part because we we still we see from Kamala and Zoe becomes important to Kamala like becoming a hero. We see Kamala even say, I don't know, she seems nice to me. Like, there is there is some intentional conflict here, and yeah, I have not, I think, probably, I hope I haven't seen the end of Zoe, as far as I've read. Um, but I know it, it Zoe's make, still around some. It makes them a much more believable, like, real person than just that one-sided mean, yeah. mean girl thing, right? Yeah. Um, but the the other important thing is that when they stop in, they invite them all to a beach to a beach party. Yeah, it's Zoe's birthday, right? Uh, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you know, so Kamala's like, yeah, I probably can't go, and Nikki is like, yeah, I probably can't either. <laughs> so, but Bruno uh, will be there. But Bruno will go. Yeah. So, um. Kamala goes home, and this is where we meet her family for the first time. I love them so much. <laughs> and it is, um, it, it, and that's what's so, t- in some ways it's so, like, story-typical type behavior, right? The dad's complaining that the son isn't getting a job, and, you know, that he wishes that, uh, y- y- you know... Why do why does Kamala have to act the way she does sometimes? Because she's a teen. I mean, it's just like general grumbling without yeah. really complaining. You know, like really complaining, right? Right. The kind uh, of the general like kids these days. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then Kamala asks if she could go to the party. Will there be boys? <laughs> yeah. And his response isn't no. Of course, it's very funny. Like <laughs> yeah. Like, very funny, like, well, if there's boys, very funny, you would even ask, because, of course, the answer's no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, then, of course, she pushes it and complains that she, know, you know, why don't they trust her? Very, very, Like I said, a very teenage parent kind of conflict yeah. thing going on there, right? And, of course, then her dad loses it. And he's like, no, go to your room. <laughs> so, she decides to take the big step of sneaking out. For the third time in her life, she will sneak out. Right. And the first time was literally just to see if she could do it. And then she went right yeah. back inside her room. <laughs> yes. The second time was to go see Deathly Hallows at midnight. Correct. <laughs> because we have not yet acknowledged the internet nerd fangirl that Kamala Khan is. Yeah. This is one of my favorite character things about her, is just how much before she ever became a part of this world she was steeped in like writing fanfic about the avengers and yep. playing 
video games. It's just like, she is... She's kind of a dork, and that makes her more lovable. Yeah. And she's a... And, and you very quick, she's a very good... Like, she gets good grades. She, yeah. She, uh, by any standard, you would say she is a very good kid. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, doesn't cause problems for her parents or family, and yeah. But she does sneak out, and she does go to this party. And, um, you know, somebody on the team... Oh, no, it is the boyfriend who specifically, you know, hands her a cup and he says, oh, and she's like, oh, is there alcohol? And he's like, no, it's just orange juice. And so she takes a sip. Oh, and vodka. Like, being a complete and total ass and not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, So she spits it out, whatever. But so uh, she sees Bruno there and talks to him for a minute, um, which is important only because Bruno knows she was there. Right. right? And then she very, very immediately is like, this was stupid. I shouldn't have even come. Like, yeah. These aren't people who I really relate to. Like, they don't they don't care about the same things that I do. Yeah. And Maybe I, Nakia I, was right. Right, yeah. So she turns and she, she leaves. And right as she leaves is where we see this green mist roll in. Right? The Terrigen um, Cloud. And it is the Terrigen Cloud from the... Mutant in human war. Uh, not exactly. Well, okay. It's it features into that the origin of the Terrigen right. Cloud is from Hickman's Avengers run. Yeah, there is a point at which Black Bolt detonates the floating city as a bomb in the floating city to create more Inhumans as part of right. kind of the conflict with Thanos. It, it, it's, it, it is the event that kicks off and leads to what is the Inhuman yes. mutant war. Yes. Right, yes. Yeah. I, I guess I should have. So when I say it's that, it is the inciting event for that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and so Bruno was calling out for her because he loses sight of her in this, and she's walking, and then she passes out, thinking that she is drunk from the one sip of vodka that she spit out and didn't actually swallow, which I thought was super cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, it's because she's inhaling the terrorism. And then she has this wonderfully um, uh, trippy vision mm-hmm. while she's in the mist, right? Which is... Um, uh, Carol and <laughs> Steve Rogers and... Iron Man and a Hulk hedgehog kind of <laughs> like I, I guess it's a hedgehog with like Hulk hands maybe yeah. <laughs> and they're like all half singing to her half talking to her like this almost theater nerd geek fever dream <laughs> yeah and like the very first panel is like Carol Danvers descending speaking Urdu in yes an almost calligraphy style font and of course Kamala knows Urdu <laughs> it would be it would be the equivalent of someone from our like knowing Klingon right or Elvish yeah. or <laughs> I mean she's of Pakistani descent it's very realistic she would know Urdu yeah yeah um and uh, like but Iron Man like Tony is saying things that like are just like this 
the yellow mustard is blooming in every field. The yellow mustard is blooming. <laughs> like these things that are clearly like make no real sense, yeah. but sound somehow, very yeah. deep. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so she has a conversation with them and uh, she, this is where she tells Carol that she wishes she could be like Carol and be strong and kick butt and all this, you know, she then, would even wear the bikini costume and kick butt with a wedgie. Right, yes. <laughs> um, and then they all leave, and she wakes up, and she's in the shell. Turns out, you know, it's a cocoon. It's a uh, metamorphosis cocoon yeah. for humans, right? So she breaks out of it, but when she breaks out, she's not her. She's Carol Danvers in the bikini. She's Carol Danvers in the bikini. <laughs> Which is where our first issue ends. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? I, I did not realize. I knew that Carol Danvers were, was her hero. Yeah. I knew that, obviously, she took the name Ms. Marvel, right? I knew that. But I had no idea that part of her genesis was she actually became Ms. <laughs> Marvel for a small period of time. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh so yeah, then we then we progress, and uh, essentially what we find out, and, and I I also did not know this. I don't think I generally, or I, I truly don't think I did that she act that part of her abilities is um, imitation of like she can change her face and hair color and yeah I I think this is something that. And you see it a little bit toward the end of, of these 11 issues, right? Mm-hmm. Kamala even says, oh, I picked this really awesome class and then it got nerfed. I think some of these abilities we do see here don't stick around in the long term. Okay. So, like, she kind of changes more out of them. Yeah. I, some of them, yeah. I don't think I don't think there's a whole lot of use, if any, of her shape shifting beyond this first eleven issues. Okay. Um I honestly don't even know that the healing factor sticks around that long. I was gonna ask about that next, because th- those are two things that do play prominently in this yeah. first probably two arcs, right? I mean um embiggening is is her big thing. Yes, oh sure. Um, also, just one other thing. Well, no, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um, so, but like, so she comes out of this and is obviously freaked out that she is as Carol Danvers and, you know, then kind of ends up being herself again. Um, she's confused about because obviously, you know, she passed out and woke up this way. Um, she tries to get her powers to work, but they don't kind of and so she's she literally is like okay you know what i just need to get home and she shrink she ends up shrinking down without <laughs> intending to because she hears somebody coming it turns out it's zoe and uh her boyfriend which i, I still don't remember his name oh josh josh i'll see it right here um so she ends up shrinking down and she's like the size of a cockroach and the critical thing here is Josh is drunk and in trying to help him uh, across this dock, this bridge, Zoe falls off and into the water. Yeah. And um, Kamala decides that, okay, I I can do this. You know, I've got these powers. And if I do, and and we learn, I think from this as our very first true example 
uh, is revealed to us about it is a very core part of who she is that she feels that if you have power to help people, you should. Yeah. With great power, one might say, one there might must say, also yeah. come great responsibility. And I'm uh, two things. One, I'm so, so glad that wasn't actually said <laughs> in this book. I mean, just because that is, that is someone yeah. else's story, right? right? Right. Um, but at the same time, uh, it is, and it's not something that someone else tells her. That's the second part yeah. of what I'm having. It is just something about, like I said, who she is and who, who she was raised to be or, or, you know, whatever, whatever has made her who she is at this point. Yeah. It's, that's who she is. Well, and I think key in it, uh, in what you just said is who she was raised to be. Like there's, there's a great scene we'll get to that gets, gets into that some, but like, this is just, she's a good kid. Her parents yeah. have done a good job. Like, this is part of why that relationship is so great is because, like, obviously they don't want her in danger, but really the biggest issue is just she can't tell them. Otherwise, right. she's doing the right thing, and she knows it, and they would know it. Yep. So she ends up rescuing. She is uh, back to looking like Ms. Marvel as she does this. Yeah. It's a very so fight-or-flight she... kind of response for her right now. She knows she can't yes. be seen, so she right. snaps back to. Um, and she rescues Zoe, she pulls her out, and there's several people that are there, and they get pictures and some video on their phones. Um, and then, so she takes off, and she's like, I gotta get home. So she leaves to go home. Um, I, I, I yeah, I'm, I don't have to mention, but she gets back in, and her brother hears her coming in back into her room, and stops by, and says, oh yeah, by the way, you're in so much trouble because mom and dad know you stuck <laughs> out. <laughs> Cut to them standing on the other side of the door, furious. Yes. Um, I love some of the immediate. So he's like, okay, now I'm worried. Did something actually happen to you? Yeah, something happened. Something really, really weird. And he like just grabs her and hugs. This is her brother. He just grabs her and hugs her. It's going to be okay. I'll get the brothers from the mosque and we'll beat the ever-living snop out of whoever hurt you. And she's like, no, it's not like that. That's one of those moments, though, where, like, that bit of, that, that kind of caricatured version of him that we get early on falls away. Yes. And you see the, like, right. real, okay, he's gonna do the protective big brother thing. And then, like, it almost feels like his first reaction is that normal human thing. And then he sort of says... But we'll get the brothers from the mosque and, and like then kind of ground back in this identity he's taken on that is so right singular. And yeah, and then her parents come in and there's something there's something that happens through this scene that isn't I don't think it's explicitly spelled out, but if you read it you get that feeling to it, which is they're obviously upset that she snuck out, right? And that's the initial thing. But then they see her and they see her in this because she has acquired this like uh, bums, uh, sweater shirt, yeah, sweater thing, right? Uh, and she's they, they clearly notice from her as they're talking to her that she is very disturbed by something that has happened, yeah, right? And so it changes from a just a we're upset that you snuck out to a okay, now we're concerned about what happened and are you okay, yeah, and, right? I think um, this is a good place to 
to to get into as well like obviously the writing here is incredible yeah but moments like these that hinge on a shift in tone so much of that is coming from the art so much of that is coming from physicality and posture yeah. and facial expression and Adrian Alfona does an amazing job of playing with like the warmth of characters in scenes like this mm-hmm. of of I don't think it's this scene I think it comes later but there is an image there's there's one in this scene that I think is similar but there's like this image of uh Kamala's father hugging her and, like, his arms are so big and, like, just look warm around her mm-hmm. in that one scene. Like, it's, it's, it's almost, almost caricature without, without breaking style. But it's that kind of thing that's just a really clear attention to detail and focus that makes, makes the writing have to explicitly do less work. Well, and I think that's one of the things I was talking about is that shift in this where you see him go from being kind of angry and upset you see a change on his face yeah. to being concerned exactly right? yeah yep uh and then he uh, very very uh, like uh, and this is where you get him becoming kind of the peacemaker of the is he's like you know what right now it's too late for this we're all tired you know we we should all go to bed and discuss this in the morning yeah right yeah which is great advice by the way yes you ever have kids Yes, you can express your displeasure, but everybody should be well rested when you deal with consequences or fallouts. But <laughs> and then her brother, Knight says, "I'll pray for you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and then that's kind of the end of this issue. We keep moving on. We're going to speed up some. We're going to, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of meat in these first first few issues. two to three yeah 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 we, we will we will definitely be able to go a lot faster um she wakes up the next day and there's news reports of ms marvel saving zoe right and she, so obviously she freaks out about that um we get the first scene of her going to her mosque yes <laughs> which is great um uh with uh let's see uh, i want to oh sheik abdullah Right, mm-hmm. who is one of the most pleasant surprises that comes later in yeah. this book? That yeah, I mentioned earlier one of my favorite scenes we would get to. It is the scene of of Kamal, the second scene with Sheikh Abdullah. Yes. So, and this one is very now, having gotten through that part of it. This one is very much set up for that. Yeah. 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 So she goes, and it, it's like a very traditional, much like a. a, a a traditional Jewish temple or a traditional mosque, there is a separate entrance and a separate area for for women and mm-hmm. for men, right? Uh, and they are separated. And her friend is like, "We should, we should just go." And she's like, "We can't leave in the middle of his of his lesson." And she's like, "He can't see us. He's not like he's we're gonna know he's he's gonna know we're gone." Yeah, <laughs> it's like wow, that is like a, such a teenage thing. Yeah. Um, uh, so we go, and th- this is where we find out that it's actually Bruno who he was worried when she disappeared from the party. So he called her parents and told them. Yeah. Right. Which was it, uh, like looking as a friend, it was 100% the right thing to do, not knowing what happened to her. Yeah. And right. it was, it was, 
his intention was not even like to rat her out, even though that oh, no. is how she feels. It was a, hey, I can't find Kamala. Is she home? Is right. she safe? Is she okay? Right. And it, it again, very real in uh, Kamala feeling initially betrayed by that. Yeah. But coming to realize, okay, well, yeah, of course he kind of had to do that. Right. Which comes a little bit later. Right. Um, but then we we get our first introduction to Bruno's brother. I had forgotten this character. I will be honest. <sighs> like I remembered a lot of the plot of of these two arcs. Having again, this is my third time reading the first half of this. I just I had forgotten this character was Bruno's brother. He is both very endearing and oh so stupid. Yeah, he reminds me of Donnie on iZombie. Yes. Yes. Very, yeah, that is a very great comparison. He literally, the first thing that he says to Bruno when we see him is, hey, if you could get some cash some cash from the register at Circle Q, that'd be, that'd be great. And then Bruno looks at me, you want me to steal from my job? No, you work there. It's not stealing. <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> what? yes, it is. It's exactly like that. <laughs> I believe the, wow. the the specific charge is theft by taking. I think that is exactly it. Um, so then Kamala's kind of trying to hide, and her powers go a little bit wonky again. So she uh, destroys a you know a, a girl's locker room and gets ends up getting detention for that. So she's building the point being that she's building these. You know, getting caught sneaking out of the house, um, the the getting detention, like she's incurring these consequences for her powers that that are still developing. Yeah, that are unintentional and not directly her fault, but also in some ways kind of are. Yeah, right. But it it again, and and I keep coming back and saying it. It's like that's kind of how. Th- things really it's not clean it's not you know things are very amorphic and real life is analog not digital and things get messy and yeah um yeah so she ends up bruno was like can can we please just talk about what happened and get this out so she's like okay fine yeah i'll stop by the circle (laughs) queue so she goes to the circle queue and sees a masked person with a gun robbing the circle queue Turns out we get, as the audience, get to go inside and see that it's Vic and Bruno. And Bruno knows that it's Vic. And they're just talking at this point. And he's like, you idiot. It's a good thing I was here or you would have screwed up so bad, right? So he's not actually robbing at this point because Bruno's there. Yeah. But Kamala sees it and just sees that Bruno is being held at gunpoint. And she needs to use her powers to save him. And so she does, again, as Carol Danvers, um, and squeezes him, and um, then gets shot. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a, a big key thing. And, like, we actually see blood. We see like, blood. Is... We see Bruno's response that is, oh my god, Miss Marvel just got shot, I have to call the cops. Yes. Yep. And that's where uh, we move on again to the next issue. and. 
uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta call the cop. And she's like, no, no, no cops. And he's like, what? She was like, no, it's me. He was like, I, I, I know who you are. It's your Carol Danvers. She was like, no, 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 it's me. And then she changes back to Kamala. It's me, Kamala. And so Bruno is the first person that she reveals her powers to. Yeah. And I think that becomes very important. Like he becomes her man in the chair kind of person, right? Bruno is a very central figure throughout all of Kamala's superhero books. Yeah, I get that. And I there's a and this is something that it, it's alluded to, but at least not in these first ones very specifically spelled out. Like it, she says something about um this is when I think this is when she's mad at him. And she says something about the fact that, oh, yeah, you have a good job. You work hard. You know, you're a good guy. But if you were Pakistani, my parents would probably throw me at you. Uh huh. And his response is, yeah, if I were. Like, very clearly, he would love to date Kamala, I think. I have nothing if else to say about this matter at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although, uh, and, hey. Maybe get caught up on on Miss Marvel and Magnificent Miss Marvel. Yeah. And he's, so, but in the situation we're in, he's like, but you got shot, we gotta get you. And she's like, actually, I'm okay. And this is where we find out that when she is in her real, when she's Kamala, she actually has a healing factor. Yeah. And so she actually, the bullet actually, the bullet wound heals itself. (laughs) Falls out the back of her pants. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird, Which funny moment. Yeah. Like, the embarrassing things that happen when you're a teenager that are really not that embarrassing. Right. Yeah. Um, But Bruno has already called the cops in an ambulance at this point. So they show up, um, and <laughs> Bruno throws her a pink night mask, like what you cover your eyes with to sleep yeah. better. And he, she's like, what am I supposed to do with this? He was like, poke eye holes in it. So she, they walk in, and she has this, the derpiest looking mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we get to see, I don't know if we, I, I'm guessing at some point we probably know this cop's name. But whoever it is, he he repeats about three or four times in this, and he is fantastic. Yeah, I love him. He's a great character. Um, and she, she's still doing shit. There's still little, like, he's like, um, she's like, no, I'm Miss Marvel. He's like, don't you know who, what's Miss Marvel? And he's like, yeah, she's tall, she's blonde, and she's got big powers. And Kamala goes, I've got big powers. And she gets big uh-huh. and crashes her head into the ceiling. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, just that lack of awareness of how her powers still work in spaces and, like, yeah. Just that lack of familiarity and experience with them. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, but he's like, okay, you know what? We're gonna have to we're we're gonna have to get security footage and all this, but you guys are free to go at this point, right? Um and Bruno was like or actually I guess she says something to Bruno about, well, okay, so if I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna have these powers, you know what I've gotta have. And he's like, What? Well a costume, obviously. Of course. <laughs> um so she gets she gets a a burkini, <laughs> which is something I guess her aunt gave her. Yep. Um, which is a uh, culturally appropriate swimwear. Yes. 
Right. For a Muslim Pakistani female who wants to go swimming. Correct. Meaning it covers everything. Yeah. <laughs> it was... It, and her mom... It becomes her, her superhero mom, costume. It does. And her mom asks her, like, you said you never wore that. She's like, no. I said I'd never wear it to go swimming. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Great, great. And then we get into what is the beginning of the story for this arc, uh, which is, so they find out that Vic is in trouble after trying to rob this store and failing. Yeah, he is in trouble with the inventor. The inventor, yes. So she goes to uh, the place where they have tracked him to. Um, I do love, I, I do want to point this out because it's a great line. Um, Bruno was like, yeah, so I pulled the coordinates from his, I, I hacked in and pulled the coordinates from his cell phone and, uh, I, I've tracked it to where it is. And she's like, what? So you called up the map app on his, on his phone and saw the last place he was at. Let me say it my way and give me the, <laughs> <laughs> give me the superhero vibe I'm or give me the spy vibe I'm looking for. Yeah. Something like that. I love it. So she shows up at this place and there's a couple of couple of uh like runaway kids out front guarding this uh abandoned house she goes in and there's these spider bots or i guess they're kitty bots yeah um who fire lasers at her and it's a very typical kind of awkward fight scene that she goes through to go down to find vic in the basement i do have to wonder a little bit if the kitties because this is what they reminded me of if the kitties are a reference to mousers from Ninja Turtles. Oh. Because what's another word for yeah. a mouser? A cat. Yeah. Cat. Yeah, that that would not shock me at all to learn that. It might. They have um, electrical weapons. They yeah. might shock you. Well. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, so somebody else shows up. And um, an- another kid who's a, a bit more of a lieutenant type person and she gets in a fight with them and loses i love that she lost her first real fight yeah like because and it's 100 percent because she's not familiar with and know how her powers work at this yeah. point well and that and like there's a moment in it where she's like okay if i'm gonna get out of here i can't i've got to get small and coming in guns blazing is not how i'm going to succeed i've got to learn how to not just master my powers but use them wisely right correct um so she goes back home and like just eats everything that's in the fridge because we find out that her healing factor actually takes from her yeah takes her energy and she has and makes her incredibly hungry and she has to eat a lot speed her force rules comes, Right, Speed Force, exactly. Uh, her mom and dad come down in the middle of the night again, find her eating, and know that she has snuck out again, and are so are like mad at her. And this is where she has the conversation with her dad. This is where that hug I mentioned earlier this is. This is where that hug comes in, yes. Um, like Popeye forearms. Yeah, and he basically tells her the story of how, why they gave her the name that they did, right? Yeah. Which is essentially perfect. It means perfect. Um, and he tells her, essentially, we're not trying to make your life miserable. We just want you to be safe. And she's like, I know. He's like, 
we want you to tell we want you to tell us when you're in trouble and she's like i will he's like good because you're you're still grounded and i want you to talk to sheik Adbella. and she's like no <laughs> he hates me he hates me <laughs> um but the point being that it is both simultaneously him saying you know telling her what their motivation is as parents right her understanding and accepting that and him also via the way that it said showing but we do trust you and if you say this is something you have to deal with and you are and that you're safe while you're doing it and you will let us know when you're not and you need our help then okay i won't ask anymore right and he leaves he's such a good dad god he is really good really really good um yeah so uh, the next couple of things are her and Bruno. There's a few pages of them uh, testing out her powers, basically, right? The, it's it, it would be the montage yeah. scene, right? Uh, of her learning how to use her powers better. Uh, of her getting her costume, um, doing putting some fabric paint on it to put the uh, lightning slash on it, yep. on her bikini, right? Um, yeah. And then she goes back to rescue Vic again. Try to rescue Vic again, and this time she goes in small, riding on some on one of the kitties, <laughs> and smashes Vic out and does escape with him. Right, um, and and part of what that is, part of her being smarter is she's not going in for a fight to try to beat them. She knows that her goal is really to get Vic and get out. Yeah. So that's what she does. She doesn't try to fight. She tries to do what she's supposed to do. Um, yeah. And then we get our first scene of there's some people in the neighborhood who uh, are celebrating Ms. Marvel as the, their new hero. Yeah. And now, ev- by now, everyone knows that it's not Carol Danvers. It's somebody else. It is a new somebody who is being Ms. Marvel. Right. And then she shows up as herself as Ms. Marvel. And yeah. Uh, and then we find out at the very end of this one, we find out who the inventor is. <laughs> were Were you expecting Were you expecting the inventor to be a parakeet? I was. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, a, a cockatiel. Cockatiel. Yes. Uh, I I was 100 percent not expecting. <laughs> that. But he's not a bird. <laughs> I mean, he's totally a bird, yeah. but <laughs> yes. Don't say I'm a bird. Don't say I'm a bird. Um, so the the next part of the story is essentially uh, these kitties, the the little mouse bots, whatever, what are, are have been tracking her, and they're getting more intelligent about how they track her. Yeah, right. And try to fight her, and so basically the the point being that we know that the bad guy, the inventor, knows she exists, and he's sending forces out to try to find her. Yeah, essentially. Um, and then we have then we have our scene with Sheikh Abdullah. This is such a good scene. I like because I mean it's it's completely a subversion of expectation. It it is. So she. Um, when they went the first time, when she and Nakia went the first time, it was for one of his lessons on how, as a young woman, you know, you have to be careful. And if you are alone in a room with a boy, you know, 
Shaitan, Satan, is the third person in the room. Yeah. A very trite, expected moral, morality lesson from a religious figure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, and then they have this conversation. And part of that is um, he brings, he's like, okay, so come in and sit down. And they start saying, uh, you know, she tells him that she's having trouble because she wants to help people, right? And she's having trouble doing that. And he's like, you have trouble helping people? She's like, yeah. And he's like, there's something you're not telling me. She's like, yeah, but I I can't tell you. And he's like, okay, well. If you're not good at helping someone, then maybe you need someone to teach you how to help people. And she's like, a teacher, and this is where the line is, a teacher, wait, you're not going to tell me to be a good girl, focus on my studies, and do repentance or something? He was like, if I told you that, you would ignore me. I know how headstrong you are. (laughs) So instead, I'm going to tell you to do what you're doing with as much honor and skill as you can. There's also a line in there somewhere. Oh, is is this the next one? It is. Okay. I can't believe it. I thought you were going to warn me about Satan and boys. I've been giving you youth lectures at this mosque for 10 years. If I still have to warn you about that, I should lose my job. (laughs) 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 Where it it, it is, and it's, it's so funny because if you talk to like a youth leader or a youth pastor or somebody, you know, there are these lessons that you get that are about these kind of moral things, right? Blah, 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 blah. But then you talk to them and they're like, yeah, we, you know, yes, I'm going to give you that as part of a growing up lesson or, you know, you growing up in the church or in this faith or in this belief or whatever. Um, but like, you have to realize that like, when it comes to dealing with individual problems, like that's not all that, I'm, that's not all what we're about. <laughs> we actually are here to assist people and help people. And I mean, if, you know, if they're a genuine person that cares about the people, the youth that they're helping, then yeah, that's, I, I, I was very refreshed and loved that. Very yeah. Much. Yeah. If, if only we had that understanding more broadly, culturally. Huh? Yeah. What a world. It's such a good scene. I love it so much. If, yeah. And then yeah. she basically at the end of this with him, she's like, well, if I need a teacher, how will I do it? And he was like, well, as the saying goes, when the student is ready, the master will appear. He was like, be open to look, essentially saying, if, be open to looking for it. You will find your teacher if you're really looking. And a few sewer alligators later, <laughs> what master appears? Well, just what every teenage girl who is questioning who they are and learning about their powers, the exact mentors that they need. Wolverine. <laughs> I mean, Wolverine has a long track record of being a great mentor to teenage superhero girls. He he really does, which is somehow always surprising and oh right, yeah, of course. It is At my favorite time. thing about Wolverine and frankly like mm-hmm. yeah. Probably says enough about me and the role I sort of end up taking in theaters of training kids. Yes. Um, that this is the thing in Wolverine I like the most, but I love whenever he gets to be teacher. The right. best Wolverine book is the Jason Aaron Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, it just is for me. Right. And, okay, I, I, we do have to share this because this is also beautiful. So he shows up, right? 
And, and he's like, are you out of your mind, kid? I could have killed you. Where'd you come from? She's like, I can't believe it. I'm going to pass out. And she like literally waves her arms. <laughs> I totally put you in my, I totally put you first in my fantasy hero team up bracket. <laughs> also, the fanfic that he she wrote about him was voted third. Yes. <laughs> Number one was about Scott and Emma. Yeah, her Wolverine and Storm in, in, in space fanfic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love and I love that Logan had the awareness to go yeah i'm not sure what that is but wait a minute who was first <laughs> yeah cyclops and emma frost are on a romantic vacation in paris this is the worst day of my life <laughs> <laughs> this is such a good team up too because like this is the point in wolverine's history where he right. was he had lost his healing factor mm -hmm. which is something she takes for granted about him Right. And that's a little bit the lesson here. Like, you can't take these things for granted. Correct. Um, at the end of the and day, the most important power is the power to get back up. Yeah. But and she pulls her weight, and literally his weight sometimes, yeah. his substantial metal bone weight. Metal bone, yeah. Uh, like, it's a really good, balanced team-up. It's her, He gives her room to do things... And trusts her when she says, I can handle this. And I love, I love Logan as teacher. This is all I'm saying. I'm saying it again. I love Logan as teacher. Yeah. And then, and then at the end, the, a, literally a giant monster crocodile in the sewer of New York. Yeah. Right? Or in this case, Jersey City pops up and her com the comments that are in the box at the last page are dungeon boss, giant and norm, most ginormous alligator ever. Difficult rating 10. Group size, solo. Because Logan's kind of out of it at this yeah. point. Yeah. He is relegated to decoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But they do. They they fight him, and, you know, he teaches her a couple of things about fighting. Yeah. Right? About how, you know, you have to do what you have to do to win. In this case, it's going for the eye and blinding. And she's like, I don't want to hurt it, though. He was like... Sometimes you don't have a choice. Yeah. Right? yeah, there's if you're going to if you're going to help people, generally there's a price to be paid. They have to pay it, you have to pay it or you know, at some point it's going to be paid. The hurt has to go somewhere. Right. It's very much like Doctor Strange talking about magic, like all magic has exactly. a cost. Yep. Yep. And she's like and this is where we really get that pushback from her about no, I don't think it has to be that way. And he was like, well, you're young. And this whole setup dynamic about how there are some accepted beliefs uh, among adult superheroes that Kamala will reject. Yeah. Yeah. Like, And this, back to what I was saying earlier about the space in what I like about the Marvel Universe that she is so central to, yeah. this moment is that. Like, that rejection is so much of what i love about miss marvel but also this whole whole set of heroes that has sort of grown up around her and because of this book mm -hmm. like we would not have unstoppable wasp without this book right and i don't think we would have this book without the fraction hawkeye book but that's a separate conversation uh, and then he's like well we can't go out the way we came in we should i guess we'll have to go out this way we don't know what else is down there. And she goes, this is like those horror movies my parents wouldn't let me watch. If you never watch them, how do you know what they're like? Hello? It's called having an imagination. And he goes, 
The worst you thing you can imagine is a giant alligator in an old subway tunnel? Well, I guess so. Man, your parents deserve a medal. <laughs> Have you ever related so much, as I certainly did, to both sides of a conversation like this at the same time? Yes, absolutely. I have been both Kamala and Logan in this conversation at different points in my life. Yes, 100%. And then I do want to mention, there's a page of them coming out of these sewers that is an art layout thing, and it's just fantastic. It is literally, because it starts at the bottom of the page, Uh because that's where they're coming from, and literally you see them climb up and move through the sewers, and it's simultaneously a a conversation in an odd way, and very slight, almost the family circus dotted line thing, as you're following them through this, that's how you have to read the dialogue the other thing it reminded me of and i'm sure this is just by virtue of being a cross section right sure but the old diagrams of like this is the inside of the x mansion this is the inside of the baxter building yes yep uh but yeah they get up to the top and just before they're about to get out the inventor comes on and you know says oh yeah sorry psych this was kind of just watching you here i'm not gonna let you get free Uh, before Um, before we move too far away from it Definitely, like, let's shout out Joe Caramagna lettering on. Oh, I mean, yeah. we've mentioned we mentioned like the stylized lettering and the the hallucination early on, but pulling off lettering a scene that starts in the bottom left corner and serpentines back and forth to the top right, yeah, and making that readable is very, well, very, very hard and very good lettering work. So, yeah, and that's just it. The characters and the art serpentine far more than the dialogue boxes do. Yeah. Which makes them much easier to follow the right path. So, ex- yeah, excellent job. That was great. Um, You know, eventually they, uh, Logan says something about, well, if you're ever in this situation, this is another lesson, right? If you're in this situation, take out the power, because then they can't do what all the tricks and traps that they have planned. Yeah. If you take out their power source. So Kamala follows the power lines, and this is where we find out a big plot piece. Um, the mutant that Logan was in the sewers looking for was it was a runaway mutant um, named Julie. Is actually yeah, is actually connected up and is the power source for all of these traps. Yeah, that have been going off. Right, Logan comes in. Cuts through the wall, smashes in, finds her, um, and he's like, "Yeah, we we need to get her out of here and get her to a hospital." Um, and then uh, basically uh, says something about, uh, "I think it's here." Oh yeah, here it is. And she was like, uh, "He's like, so you're a mutant?" And she was like, "Yeah, I guess so," because she doesn't know at this point. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Okay." And she's like, yeah, hey, and she said, hey, if I can survive getting gas with that weird green mist and waking up with superpowers, I can survive anything. Wait, 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 green mist? Are you saying you got your powers after the Terrigen Bomb? So he knows. Yeah. Logan, like, immediately knows, right? He knows. He puts in a call to Cap, who puts in a call to... Medusa. Yeah. Um, And I, we're going to talk about that conversation when Cap and Medusa have it, because, oh, well, I... Next page. No, yeah, no, we'll talk about it now. <laughs> I hadn't turned the page yet. I thought it was a little further ahead. But essentially, it's uh, the 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 piece that I love about it is 
you know, he's like, Logan found somebody who, you know, got powers during the mist. And she's like, oh, another one. He was like, yeah. She was like, yeah, there's so many of them. He was like, no, no, no. Logan thinks this one's special. And it was the kind of thing, like, if Logan's willing to call me to have me come to you, we should look into this, is essentially the... <laughs> Logan's track record is Kate Pride and Jubilee. We should right. pay attention. We should pay attention. Yeah. And he says something about Logan thinks this one's... And she's like, they're all special. Not special enough for a phone call from him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, she's like... Yeah, that's fair. And so she looks at him and like uh, Medusa, you know, re, re kind of looks at her and reads about, you know, what she what they know about her and everything else. And he's like, hmm. So uh, if she can make an impression on Logan, then, yeah, we probably should. Uh, <laughs> and he says she says, hmm. So it looks like she is special. She's going to need a companion, someone to help her to be my eyes and ears while she grows into power. And Cap goes, you're not going to send him, are you? Well, there's few that I trust more, Steve. I have a job for you, Lockjaw. The goodest boy. She sends the <laughs> goodest boy. She did. Lockjaw is... God, Lockjaw is so awesome. Lockjaw is so, so wonderful. I can't... Yeah. Uh, so uh, we see Kamala starting to question people and going through the neighborhood asking about the missing kids. Um, all the, all these runaways. And stumbles across Lockjaw, who is literally wearing a sign around his neck that says, Hello, my name is Lockjaw. I like hugs. <laughs> perfect doggo is perfect. Yeah. And he follows her home. So she wants to keep him. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love everything about this. I I do too, I do too. So, they put him in the backyard because we can't have dogs in the house, right? So he teleports up into her bedroom, mm -hmm. and she learns, oh, this dog can teleport. I know how to get where I need to go now. See you later, Bruno. Yeah, how are you at reading maps? <laughs> <laughs> so they teleport to. What we later find out will be the base of uh, the inventor. Yes. Uh, she has a fight with a giant robot. Uh, her and Lockjaw take the robot down, and she finds out there's another kid inside yeah. powering this robot. Starting to see a theme here, right? Um, let's see. Uh, so she frees the kid, uh, takes him back. Next day at school, the school gets attacked by a giant robot. We also get a conversation in in class before the attack that really becomes the theme of this arc about children being yeah. used as power supplies, a la The Matrix. Right. That is, this generational divide, hey, again, some DNA for Miss Marvel going forward, right? This generational divide where, like, the current generation, the Gen Zers or whatever, are... Gen well... I, I mean, given the title of the arc, I think it's Generation Y, right? Uh, the title of the arc is Generation Y, W-H-Y. Yeah, okay, we, sure. Uh, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm just saying, that's, yeah. Yeah, um, in 2020, we would call this age group Gen Z. I would agree, yes. Um, the idea that this generation is somehow terrible and doesn't know how to work and is only good as 
fodder to feed older generations. Yeah. Um, which, hi, millennial here. Game recognized game. I understand being in that position. Um, I like that we are making explicit this con- we that G Willow Wilson makes explicit this conversation in an arc that is about the metaphor of using kids as matrix style batteries. Yeah. Um so the school gets attacked. Kamala wants Kamala's healing kicks in because the building kind of collapses on her. Yeah. And she's trying to change out of her trying to change so she won't be recognized. Trying to change back to Miss Marvel again. And she can't. Yeah. Uh Lockjaw teleports her out uh to New Adelan. Um that Art Deco well, city. <laughs> the Art Deco city in in the river, yeah. Um, and Medusa and the Inhumans heal her, essentially. Um, and the doctor there posits that. So uh, her healing factor returns things to as they were, right? They heal things to, back to their original. So that only happens when she's in her form. And if she taxes it too much, she probably can't change out of her original form yeah right. this is this is where back to the earlier conversation yeah. about she about her having powers that you weren't aware she had this is right. kind of where those really go away or start to go away start to yeah, yeah. i would yeah and essentially they're they're kind of setting up here a, a bit of a she can kind of do one or the other, but not yeah. both simultaneously type thing. And I think it gets to a point, I don't, and I, I'm, I'm just guessing, it probably, I don't know if, the, if they ever explicitly make them go away, or if it's just she becomes so much more comfortable and used to and proficient with her embiggening powers that that's what she always does. Yeah, I, here is what I will say. I have a, a small gap in what I have read of Miss Marvel, um, probably 12, 18 issues. I, I haven't between uh, the last 12, 18 issues of the G. Willow Wilson run. Mm-hmm. Um, that run spans both sides of the big reboot light kind of thing that happened at the end of Hickman's Avengers run. So there, there are, I think, two volumes, technically, that G. Willow Wilson wrote. Um, and I think some of that kind of thing is sort of just left on the cutting room floor post, uh, Secret Wars. Like, when we get, when, when everything comes back, I think we just don't talk about it anymore, is kind of how that falls out. Okay, um... And we're going to go real quick through these last two because yeah, we can the, do it all in one fell swoop. The, the end of this is very much like yeah. the hunt for the inventor, the fight with the inventor, sort of bringing yep. everything we've built to to a head. Yeah, and essentially she goes, she finds uh, a, a large stash of the missing kids and is like, oh, I'm going to free you. And they're like, no, we're here voluntarily. And that's a little wrench in the work. She's like, what? And essentially the inventor has in a a kind of cult-like fashion convince them that you know they that this generation you know people think that this generation is useless and they're parasites and they're a drain 
So if they can help him develop a new power source that's completely green and da da da, then they can be of use to society. Right. Late stage capitalism. Right. Yeah. Um, and she's like, no, that's not that's not helping society. That's giving up on society. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I said, fight with robots. Uh, Lockheed gets captured. Lockjaw. By the Lockheed is oh, Logan's God. other. Lockheed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Lockjaw gets captured and taken by the inventor. Um, she convinces these these people to help her that you know that they all have to fight, which is another big theme in in uh, Ms. Marvel. Yeah. That we we I now know from later in her career, right? that she has a very big belief that everyone should be involved and has a responsibility to to help. Yep. Yeah. As much as they are able to. Um so she goes to the she goes to where the uh inventor is. Uh big showdown, big fight. Um the people that she freed shows up to help her. Uh Lockjaw gets free to help her some and in a very very awesome cool move uh She's like, but I can't, I can't win this by myself. I don't have to be a hero by being, by winning all by myself. I don't have to absorb all of this pain, Logan. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So she does her prearranged call to Bruno, which is like, call, let it ring twice and hang up or something. Yeah. And Bruno calls the police and sends them the GPS, the phone number. So they can track it and go to where she's yeah. at. And this, 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 it's the same officer who shows up, who has seen her a couple of other yeah. times yep. in Atlanta, in, uh, in Jersey city doing good. Yeah. And so the police show up, uh, they are able to defeat the inventor. Um, and the police makes a great thing about how, I know you're going to be doing this. Obviously, we're going to be seeing each other more. So <laughs> I like how he said, yeah, I'm not going to take away your badge or anything, but you have to be careful out there. Yeah. Um, but I, I like how realistic he is about how, yeah, you're a teenager with powers. I know you're going to use them. So much like her dad. So be careful. And if you need our help, you know, please let us help. Yeah. <laughs> right. Kind of thing. Um. Yeah, and essentially that's the wrap-up yeah. of this. We're left with the yeah. question, who invented the inventor? Oh, you've made someone more powerful than you realize angry at you. Yes. So there's there's kind of that going forward. The other thing rereading this post-outlawed in the current continuity, right? Uh-huh. Uh, made me think of is you watch through the West Wing the first time and you get to the end of season four where Zoe Bartlett is kidnapped and that's a thing in and of itself and then you watch it the second time and you get to that episode like late season one early season two mm-hmm. where Bartlett's like no this is not the nightmare situation the nightmare situation is right and then describes the exact events of that season four finale where yep. Zoe's kidnapped Yep. There are moments throughout this where she's talking to her parents, where she's talking to Logan, where she's talking to Sheikh Abdullah, here at the end where she's talking to this unnamed officer, where all I can think of is, of course she's the one who gets laid out in Outlawed, 
Right. Because this has been so much of the conversation of her as sort of the central figure of this this current champions group right. movement. Of, of this current generation of heroes. Yeah. Yep. Um, of course it had to be her, but it also makes... One, maybe a little bit it earns that more than I felt like that was earned in that outlawed one shot, maybe. Right. I, I yeah I think I think it, I think you have to know this history for that to land um, well. I like even even having read it before, like the refresher did did help. Yeah, but like it does make it feel almost almost inevitable. Even though I'm sure that that was not in G Willow's G Willow Wilson's head any more than oh I'm sure it was actually kidnapping Zoe Bartlett was in in Aaron Sorkin's head because he said it was not right. when he wrote that right. Um, yeah, that, that's that's maybe my last thought coming away from this, just as far as current continuity is. That also I need resolution to that story. I need Kamala to be okay. I need those books <laughs> to start getting published again, please, Marvel. Yeah. Please prioritize yeah. those books. I need to know that Kamala's all right. Well, we know it's going to because the, the I mean, there's a whole lot of miniseries and there's a whole lot of tied to Empire for yeah. that. So, yeah. Um, and just the other thing too is like representation in comics and in creative teams. Mm-hmm. This this character as we know her would not i think be the same would not have the same layers of character development and nuance certainly the supporting characters in her family would not if you had a writer who was not a muslim woman create the character yeah um and right now i mean saladin ahmed is writing the book right now he is a muslim man i still think it would be different and actually as much as i love that run i can see some differences even yeah even just in that difference. I'm not going to sit here and say only a Muslim woman can write a female Muslim character, but I think having that representation in the team creating her, having that be so much of the experience that has gone into making Kamala yeah, is important. Well, and I will tell you, I had someone share with me, someone uh, at work who knows that I collect and read comic books, right? Um, and do a podcast. She she came up to me and she is Pakistani Muslim, and she said, "I had no idea, but my daughter, you know, I know you guys read comic. My daughter found the other day Ms. Marvel, and I was like, oh yeah. She was like, she was so ridiculously excited and so hyped that there is a girl who is a Pakistani Muslim that is a superhero that she can read about. Yeah." Yeah, I was like, that's awesome. I said, and I said, I have not read it because at this point I had not read this. I was like, but I know from other people, I know it's a really, really good book. Yeah. Yeah. So it it is important to people. Yeah. (laughs) That's my point. Yeah. Oh. I, I love it though. This is this is a. I, I do. I almost think it is important in a bigger way than just itself or the story. Also, in that it is a very linchpin character and concept for this generation of Marvel heroes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that gets set up in here that is that kind of linchpin to that. Yeah. All right. All right. 
Now let us turn our gaze toward the past. Oh my, this is going to be a very different book. <laughs> long box book report. It's the long box book report. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> oh so, my. Brian yes. has two books to discuss this week. I do. His original pick and his penance for not having it prepared last week. Can I do the penance first? I will let you start with the penance. That is Superman Family number 183. Yep. This is from June of 1977. Uh, It is, I was 100% correct, this is a little anthology book. Every issue of this would have like five or six stories. This one had a Supergirl story, a Crypto story, a Nightwing story. I'm sorry, Nightwing and Flamebird. Not to be confused with Nightwing, like the Dick Grayson Nightwing. This was Nightwing and Flamebird, the heroes from Candor. Right. Where Robin took his name, Nightwing, from. Yes. As inspiration. Yes. Uh, there's Perry White, there's Jimmy Olsen, and there's Lois Lane. So there are literally, what, six stories in this book. Wow. I forgot how densely worded 70s comics <laughs> were. So. Do you regret choosing this over... What was your other option last week? Do you remember? Uh, I don't. No, and I don't. I don't regret okay. this. This was... All of these stories were perfectly fine, perfectly good. Um, a little throwaway, maybe. You know. Uh, but no problem with any of them. Especially, you know, having been someone who read a bunch of stories from this era anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they are what they are. It was fine. Uh, Supergirl ends up fighting a Kryptonian female who escaped from the Phantom Zone. Um, uh, You know, uh, Crypto (laughs) is on a quest for a female dog that he likes that he was separated from. Uh, Jimmy Olsen crashes a smuggler ring. I I do want to say one thing. Like, this Jimmy Olsen is a good example of how typical these stories were, um, where Jimmy is doing his investigative, you know, photography thing and stumbles across the smuggling ring. So he, uh, you know, he kind of gets captured and gets freed a little bit, but then sets up this sting operation, fights these guys, but like he knows the diamonds are there somewhere, but he can't find them. So like literally on the last page, he's like, okay, so I'll just summon Superman and he can look with his x-ray vision. So Superman shows up, finds him with his x-ray vision, smashes the safe, gets the diamonds. Story's over. It's, little- <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Okay, fine. I guess. Um, Perry's trying to be nice to reduce his stress. But, <laughs> you know, but, but Jimmy sets him off. Everybody's worried that there's something wrong with him because he's not being himself. <laughs> you know. Uh, Nightwing and Flameberg battle Brainiac, who's trying to blow up Candor, the bottled city of Candor, for revenge on Superman. Like I said, all very typical, uh, very typical stories. It was, it was fine. It was, it was good. Uh, did you have a favorite? Inside, uh, yeah, I, I did have a favorite, and it was the inside of the front cover, because you know what the inside of the front cover was? Brian's quote of the week. Nope. Oh. It was a Hostess Fruit Pie ad. Ah, Hostess Fruit Pies. Yeah! <laughs> yes. 
probably probably the Supergirl story. Cool. Yeah. Um, it was just a little more fleshed out, a little more, you know, whole. Uh, the the ads that were in this though were like uh, the, they were probably my favorite. I mean, it was the 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 karate, the Atlas bodybuilding, the like all of those. 70s wonderful schlocky <laughs> ads right uh it was it was something else yeah cool now you've put it off as long as you can <laughs> tell me about marvel comics super special number one <sighs> and your i'm sure immediately impending enlistment in the kiss army it is 40 pages of full-color comics, plus never-before-published photos and features, printed in real KISS blood. <laughs> oh, okay. So the first couple of pages of this are pure text uh, about called KISS and Tell. I did not read it. <laughs> I did not read the pure text pages. I read the comic page. Um, then... <laughs> we start the comic. Uh, this is by Steve Gerber. Artists were Alan Weiss, Alan Milgram, and Sal Bushima. And the creative consultant was Sean Delaney. This starts off with Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons as teenagers at, uh, at Playland, a theme park, I'm supposing. Um, and Gene is complaining about how his dad wants him to throw away his comic collection because he's not a kid anymore and grow up and be an accountant. And and that happens. End of story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then they come across this guy who is, um, this, this old guy who is in a fur bikini bottom with tube socks, red striped tube socks, yellow sneakers, and a t-shirt that's cut off to expose his midriff. That reads, play hard, play fair, nobody hurt. It's Mr. Terrific. Uh, but no, that's fair play, not play fair. Never mind. Right, <laughs> right. Um, wow, this guy is something else. And he holds them and throws at him uh, a box and says, Heads up, flaming youth, hither come thy destiny. And throws, it, throws them the box, um, which... Paul catches, and they go running off. They go running into an arcade, uh, specifically a pinball arcade, where... Um, they meet uh, the Who. Ace Freely and Peter Chris are there, and Ace Freely is playing pinball and apparently can't lose because he's so good at pinball. Um, and so Gene and... Oh, I forgot to tell you, the, the old guy was being... Uh, accosted by a bunch of thugs trying to beat him up. Um, so the thugs start chasing Gene Simmons and, and uh, Paul Stanley when they get the box. So they go running through. They toss the box over to uh, uh, Peter Chris and go running into a photo booth to hide. Uh, the thugs come in. Long story short, uh, all four of them end up in this photo booth. They finally get the box open to take a look at it, and it is uh, three figures, three figurines, 
and a what looks like a ninja throwing star with a hole in the middle. Um, and they are totems, and smoke starts coming out of the <laughs> the photo booth, and boom! The photo booth explodes, and we see Kiss in all of their glory. <laughs> yeah. They start fighting, and Gene Simmons breathes fire now. Because <laughs> he's a demon. Um, Peter Chris is the, um, uh, the, the cat. So he, uh, you know, he, he literally says, Naughty little rats, putty tats gotcha. <laughs> But I don't eat cat. But I don't eat rats, so I'll let you go if you promise to scat. <laughs> wow, this dialogue was so much. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, you've got. Uh, uh, I don't even. You've got the star ability, which shoots beams from the star eye, <laughs> uh, which you know can paralyze people and like huge. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't... This comic has uh, broken Brian. That is what has happened here. Ace, oh, this is, this is power, this is probably the power I love the most. Ace Freely, they're like, okay, well, we beat these guys up, we should get out of here. Ace Freely literally holds up his thumb, and they all teleport out, and they're like, oh, what happened? He was like, oh, must have hitched a ride with a cosmic power or something. It's like it's the thumb that's a seventies hitchhiker thumb. Yeah. Like hitch a ride thing. That that that's how I'm done. Did um, <laughs> Did he remember his towel? <laughs> right, exactly. Nope. So then then on a night that's supposed to have a new moon, there's a full moon and they start complaining about it. And then I swear to God, this is straight out of the adventure zone. The moon comes down to them and it turns out it's a moon-shaped spaceship being driven by Dr. Doom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Uh, let's see. Dr. Doom has uh, a bunch of uh, beautiful gypsies who come out with him. Turns out they're robots, and <laughs> they get into a big fight. They destroy all the robots. They hitchhike out again, but this time they, he hitchhikes too far, beyond far beyond. Um, and they're out in this limbo space. We switched. I just want to say, by the way, Brian, you could start having a stroke right now, and I would not know it. I, I could. We switched to J. Jonah Jameson, complaining that Murdoch got somebody there to get pictures of them, but Parker didn't get any pictures, so he should go get some pictures of whoever these people are, or he's going to get fired because, you know, of course he is. Um, he swings by the Baxter building so we can check in with the Fantastic Four, who, oh, this is this is so painful. This is the panel that we get of the Fantastic Four, which is, at this point, Susan reading Ben. Susan says, they're, they're hideous, Reed. Such evil in their faces. Oh, we mustn't judge by appearances, Sue. That's telling her stretch, really. I mean, Sue is the one who called Ben Grimm the thing. It fits in terms of period. It is, however, it painful. It is, however, this period is so bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then they get the Fantastic Four gets a call from the Vision because the Avengers want to know what's going on. 
and we switch back to the Avengers, and, you know, yeah, no, nobody knows what's going on. So Yellow Jacket makes a call to a former associate of his who might know, Doctor Strange. And after a conversation that doesn't really happen, but we only kind of get one side that's like, oh, okay, all right, mm -hmm, if you say so. All right, thanks, so long, Doc. And then we cut to Doctor Strange, and with Doctor Strange is... Dizzy. Dizzy is the man in the fur bikini bottoms and the shirt and the... He apparently is somebody that Doctor Strange knows. Incidentally, I'm sad we'll never get the Stan Lee as Dizzy cameo. Because uh, he totally would have been. Yeah. 100%. Um, Stephen Strange goes down to talk to the Defenders who say, yeah, we shouldn't interfere. They're, they, they're going to have to go through these trials, whoever they are, they're going to have to go through these trials themselves and then we cut away for a minute we get an ad for air latveria yeah which is you know at long last the carter administration's lifted all travel restrictions on foreign travel so now you can come fly to latveria on the air latveria wow um we get some more text pages which is the history of kiss and their discography then we come back to the comics where the, so they've come through this void and now find themselves in paradise because they've all died and they're in their internal <laughs> paradise with a robed figure and beautiful women and all that. Um, but uh, Gene Simmons doesn't believe it, so he breathes fire on the angels and reveals that they're really demons because it's Mephisto, because of course it's Mephisto. And they're in hell. And, uh, you know, he wants to. He wants. He wanted the power of the cube that was uh, sent to them, because oh, I, I gotta see if I can find this thing. I, I've gotta. I gotta show you. I gotta tell you the spelling of this thing. Um, all right. When I do find it, I will at some point. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell it to you then. But so there's. Since he can't get this cube anymore, he wants them because they now have inherited the power that's in the cube, right? Um, so they fight him and hitchhike out again, end up in now what is a floating space city somewhere. I don't even know where. Atland? Nope. It is, it's a city in space where there's a party going on with everybody in white face makeup of some sort, mostly animal, all animals. It is essentially, it's a furry party. Okay. Without question. Um, Peter Chris sees this beautiful, uh, this beautiful girl named Mondu, who is 100, I mean, she looks like a anime version of Tigra, essentially. Okay. Um, yeah, so they hit it off, they dance, there's an immediate attraction between, because, you know, he's the cat one. Uh, there's an immediate attraction between them, and they dance. But, of course, her boyfriend is, what's his name? Uh, uh, little Tom. Oh, Big Leo. I'm sorry, Big Leo. Who is now everybody else except for her and Big Leo and his pot, his immediate posse, are all in like face makeup and have like you know maybe animal ears, but it's all pretty much just their heads. No, these people, the, the these are full anthropomorphic. Fur, yeah, fur people. Uh, they fight the henchmen and Big Leo and beat them and then teleport out again. Uh, 
they come across they they teleport out and come across Dizzy again just because in like this snowy Arctic wasteland. Don't know how Dizzy's here now, but he is. Uh, in oh, they're in Latveria, and somehow Dizzy's here. I I, I don't whatever. Um, you know and... you know what comes to mind at this particular moment. <laughs> what? Um. Oh shoot! What was it called? The. Uh... 12-issue series DC did a couple of years ago, where each book was a different creative oh, team. Oh, Command... The Commandy Commandy Challenge. Challenge. Yes, yes. I'm imagining this as, like, a Commandy Challenge-style 12-issue series, where every well, creative will... team tries to do something weirder to the preceding team. E- even more so, every time they do this teleport thing, it is a different art team. Okay. So even more so, yes, absolutely. Cool. Um, and we find out that all of these things that they've been fighting, uh, all of these places they've been and the trials that they've been through have been to learn about their powers for, for what's coming up here where they confront Dr. Doom again. Uh, oh, here it is. It is the box of, are you ready for this? The box of K-H-Y-S-C-Z. Would you like to guess how it's pronounced? I mean, I'm sure it's pronounced KISS. It is. It's the box of KISS. K-H-Y-S-C-Z. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Alex, just so you know, because you can't see this, Alex now looks like I do. <laughs> he is done with this. <laughs> I wonder which issue of this current Avengers arc will see Moon Knight try to steal the box of KISS. Shouldn't that really be pronounced KISH, though? With the CZ? Probably. Probably, but it's 100% pronounced kiss. Okay. Yeah, and and, and they make that explicit later. I mean, probably didn't need the help to get there, but... Yeah. So they start fighting these monk robots that come out, these monk doombots. They beat them up. And then suddenly the ground changes, and these giant stone lips show up. And start sucking in. And the apparently the way to fight this is to give in to it. To give it. Don't try and fight it, Curly. Pretend you're making love. One doesn't. Now, now, boys, one doesn't resist a lover. So the idea is that you, if you give up, then it doesn't have the power to suck you in. I don't. <laughs> is this a they dig at Aerosmith? Is it like, don't, I, man, don't succumb to Aerosmith? I, I, man, I. Hell if I know, but they go in and they end up fighting uh, Dr. Doom, and Dr. Doom, of course, is stronger than them and takes each one of them out until, until uh, Paul Stanley says, oh, come on, isn't that a little harsh? Even you must have been a kid once, Curly, talking to Dr. Doom. Touche. For the merest moment, Dr. Doom hesitates. Startled and apparently affected by, oh, it's Ace, by Ace's off-the-wall admonition, which is just enough. Uh, the momentary waiver does not go unnoticed by the star child. Still reeling from Doom's blow, Paul nonetheless, uh, nonetheless brings to bear the power of the Black Star and basically hits Doom with his star eye and floods him with emotion, which makes Doom remember his, his parents being killed. And then that's an opening enough for Gene to recover and breathe fire on him. And they defeat Dr. Doom. And they win. And they fade out. 
and they have to put all their items back in the box to kiss. That has that has a ring to it. We should call it. That's a nice code word for our identities. It has a ring to it. This is a job for kiss. So be it, says Dizzy. The end. <laughs> well, and I am fucking done. <laughs> I am so done. And I will never, ever take option three. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my god that was so much that was so much it was so much all right i'm done so i have been presented with two options Mm -hmm. for next week's long box book report which will fall to me uh jen's scheme to not be here has succeeded 1992's Alpha Flight number 112. Yep. Or 19... Which I, which I believe I did see was like part three of five or something. Yeah, I, it's a long box book <laughs> report. Of course it is. This is not part six of 72. Like... <laughs> or 1986's Marvel Saga number four. Now, Brian, uh-huh. can you give me some insight into what Marvel Saga is? Marvel Saga was one of those periodic writings that was the history of the Marvel Universe in a miniseries. Mm. (laughs) And this is number four. Do you know how many there were in this particular series? Four of... Do not know. I would guess probably 12. That was a very, very, very common number. Oh. Oh. Okay. Um... Fuck, I'm taking Alpha Flight. All right. Alpha Flight number 112. Let me pull this up real quick. (laughs) I imagine it must be on Comixology. It is not. Um, I am looking at the cover to this. So, in the foreground, there is a man in a black bodysuit with some, like, silver chrome chest pieces and gauntlets and what I'm going to describe as a monitor or anti-monitor collar. It's really more like a dome that just stops halfway up his head. And then a silver chrome helmet with a V on it. Proclaiming, Gamma Flight is dead, I've saved the world. Now, I'm familiar with Gamma Flight from Immortal Hulk being the team that is pursuing the hulk behind this man in the background in like a half faded out sort of style to imply he's not really there is a purple man with 1990s like underarm abs okay in a two-tone purple um Again, that sort of very 80s cut that is exposing just his underarms with pointy shoulders, but otherwise covers his torso uh, with a white lightning bolt. It's very, like, magus, like Adam Warlock magus magus. And I started to say I don't know that that's who that is, but there is in the corner uh, a little triangle that says an Infinity War crossover, so maybe that is the magus. Oh, maybe so. I'm really not sure who who the man in black with the tattered red cape is, 
but he's got some like uh raptor vibes. This feels early to be to be Oh a raptor. no you, you no, you do know who it is. You will know on the first page because it tells you on the first page who it okay. is. Okay. Am I close with my raptor guess? Uh no. Okay. No. no. Alright. Uh you do know this character, but you don't know you don't know him as this at all. How much am I gonna regret this choice? Um, probably a pretty fair amount. Cool, but it'll. But it is a single issue from from the early nineties, which means that it will be short at least for you. Yeah, and to be fair, like I knew when I chose it for that reason that I would regret yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we've done all the damage we can do here, uh, oh, uh, at least, and then some. And then some. Next week, we will be reading the first half of Nailbiter. Um, with the second series coming out, we didn't want to spoil the whole thing, so we're just going to talk about the first half of it. Story is by Joshua Williamson. Art is by Mike Henderson and Adam Markovich. Color is by Adam Gakowski. Book design and lettering by John J. Hill. And the editor is Rob Levin. If they, w- if they want to read, you want to give them the issue numbers? Uh, 1 through 15. There you go. Uh, that's the first three trades out of six. Okay. We would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. Buy merch at bit.ly slash panelologymerch, capital P, capital M. Or submit questions at bit.ly slash panelologymailbag, capital P, capital M. Uh, as a quick heads up, next week we're going to have a special guest on Minds at Yerk, the bi-weekly Animorphs reread podcast that I do with occasional guest hosts Meg and Tim. I am not yet at liberty to say who it will be. I'll mention it again next week, but it's a pretty big get for us and I'm very excited about uh, this guest, who I will tease as an expert in animal shapeshifting. Did you get Beast Boy? I'm Alex (laughs) and I'm Brian go read comics